ready to go. Let's, um, let's just hard do the introduction. Hard to do it. Hard, we're gonna hard, welcome to hard contesting wrestling. We're gonna do it, do it hard, right? The, the extra hard version of the podcast that does, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Remember, hitting stuff. is just hard touching. It where, is. Where did that come from? I have no I idea. Think th- I feel like that was a thing that we came up with when we were super high and when we were like 16 and hey. it just lasted 20 years. And then, you know what? You probably <laughs> said it first, Evan. And I, I can't tell if that was complimentary or derisive. No, no, no. no I you're, you're the funny one. It's all right. Uh, oh, God, what a burden. Um, that was why I stopped doing comedy. because it turned out that taking my knowledge that I'm like a funny person that you know generally people like to be around and then plugging that into the like career like <laughs> artist goal part of my brain just generated an amount of anxiety that I could not mitigate. Anytime <laughs> like, you take something you enjoy and make it your job there's this danger that you're going to end up hating yeah, it. Yeah. Exactly. That's why yeah. this, this podcast works because I don't <laughs> enjoy wrestling. Right? That's uh, what Right. This, that's the whole point. So it's already so it's not like it's ruining something I enjoyed previously. Even, even if you come to enjoy wrestling it'll always be tied in your mind to the podcast. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And for me, you do most of, like, the technical work when it comes to the podcast, so it doesn't, you know, I just have to show up and fucking watch matches and talk about shit. Uh, so. uh, you are our Instagram master, so yes, I think yes, that is, that's an important, you know, you create the images for yep. the podcast. Uh, so that's big. Speaking of the the podcast that is this podcast that you are <laughs> listening to, you are listening to Contesting Wrestling, the podcast where we talk about... The things that fans love and that other people don't so much care for when it comes to the world's most popular form of simulated combat. My name is Evan Burke. I used to be a writer, and now I spend all my time editing episodes of this podcast, so I haven't (laughs) written anything in a long time. But it's great. It's very rewarding. Uh, Oh, and I spend the rest of my time watching wrestling. I still don't care for a lot of it, so it's it's difficult for me emotionally, physically, physically. Uh, in terms of my life, uh, in some ways it's good for my relationship. In other ways, it's putting a real strain on my marriage. So you know. I was already finding the way of the wrestling fan, not like <laughs> yeah. most of it, and oh, letting man. it be a strain on his life. You know, yeah. they say talking about the significant others that they really like wrestling or that they enjoy it watching it with you at least at first. <laughs> <laughs> then you get a few years in, and that starts well, to change. She, I would say, my she. So Laura actually really enjoyed – she was a fan of wrestling when she was a kid in a way that I never was. And I would say when we watch a good match together, when we – like, she's enjoyed the, about the same number of matches that I've had, yeah. which uh, at this point is six out of about 50. So, you know, it's uh, – we're going. Yep. Um, uh, otherwise, uh, my name is Doc Diamond Fire. I've been in the wrestling business for well over 10 years now. I do wrestling, I do commentary, I do ring announcing, I've done a little bit of everything, and now I'm doing this podcast, and it's just great. Professor. I am Dr. Ben Abelson, professor of philosophy at Mercy College. Mercy. Have, ow, have, what is that? Dude love. Dude love, yeah, that's right. Ow, have mercy. Ow, have mercy. You You ever see the loved one? I, I, I've seen parts of it. I've I, never seen the whole loved one. I, I got think. it on VHS once. Someone was bootlegging it. They are all so drunk. You know what? I think we did. I watch think we it. watched it once yeah. late at night. Yeah. It didn't really make that much of an impression, actually. They were so drunk. And we probably were too, among other things. Yeah. Uh, today, <laughs> we are uh, entering into 
the world of A.J. Lee. That's right. Um, so we are examining the career of A.J. Lee, who really represents this transitional stage in women's wrestling, in the WWE at least, when it's coming out of the complete dark ages into what has been called the women's revolution or the revitalization of women's wrestling. I will say my general impression of A.J. Lee uh, over the matches that we've watched, uh, which we'll get into the details in a second. My general impression is that she is somebody who they were still really trying to force her into these tropey boxes, still trying to get her to sort of do the same thing, and she was just too fucking good and just broke through, you know, like a, like, what was the like, great... Like a weed, like a, like grass that grows out of the middle of a concrete sidewalk yes. through a crack. Yeah, exactly. Just, like, cannot be constrained, and I would imagine sort of broke some of these barriers in a way that really yeah. paved the way for a lot of the great recent women's wrestling that we've seen. Yeah. I've been reading her autobiography. Crazy is my superpower, uh, which is a nice encapsulation. I think of, of her career in a lot of ways. And yeah, so I was really excited to talk about her. And so we're doing this episode. So the matches we are covering are first of all, a match that she is not wrestling in, but is the referee in, uh, between Daniel Bryan and CM Punk at the 2012 Money in the Bank pay-per-view in a notice qualification match for the WWE title. Then we are going to cover her um, match for the Divas title against Caitlyn at, pay at Payback 2013. Um, and then we are going to watch the Vicky Guerrero Invitational match for the Divas title from WrestleMania 30, in which AJ is defending her Divas title against pretty much the entire Divas roster at the time. I have. Should I save the names for later? Uh, I, yes. I save the names for for when we. I okay. would. I would almost say let's save the names for the show notes because that's gonna. I, it's I, gonna take up like ten minutes. <laughs> There's like thirty people. I in have the a, literally a paragraph of notes <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll that is just the names. The names. We'll, we'll get to that. I guess. Um, um, yeah. So Punk Brian, right? Excellent match. Uh, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, two of the best wrestlers in the world then and uh, whenever they got in the ring together, it was a treat. That being said, this match was about aj lee yeah, um, yeah. It, it was as though they were like aj's catching fire as a character we want to put her in a big main event how can we do that and it's like we well, could have her wrestle a match no 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 you can't have a wrestle like a, what with another woman no we yeah. need two whoa, guys whoa, to wrestle here yeah, yeah. So, and we can have her stand there and make faces which she did to, this is what you were talking about they, they put her in this box and she showed that she is bigger than any box they're gonna put her in well and that's the, like mm -hmm. this is you know she is this is basically a variation on the same dumb like love triangle. Uh, yeah. the you know the woman crazy is, vindictive woman who yeah she she's simultaneously like oh your crazy girlfriend who like who knows what she's gonna be oh she's so unstable and then also just like an object to be won, and yet given those constraints she's still like she she has agency she has character she has. You know, I don't know. She she does so much with the box of shit they give her. <laughs> Absolutely. And at the time, you know, that that was the way she found to garner attention, to get over both with the office and with the crowd. And the apparently the original idea for her character was like way worse. What she's giving us here, which is still, you know, 
horribly um, stereotypical and misogynistic and hackneyed and whatever. Deeply and, ableist. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Oh, no. And the, the, the characterization of mental illness and is just is uh, is awful. And she does the best you possibly can with it. It was going to be worse. And let me just read a little bit from the autobiography yes. about what in her own words, uh, what was what this was like. So she says, um, some writers had pitched my character would become the crazy ex-girlfriend. At first, that sounded intriguing as I was having fun being the vengeful ex-girlfriend until I found out what that entailed. The plan was for my crazy to be a point of levity in the show, a series of goofy skits in which this nutter revenge kissed a leprechaun and danced with dinosaurs from outer space. I am not exaggerating. That was an actual plan. We were going to make a joke out of mental illness. Sure, WWE wasn't an after-school special, but after everything I had gone through with not only my mother, her mother suffered from bipolar disorder and never treated it, you know, was kind of of the opinion that, you know, admitting you have mental illness is a sign of weakness and that, um, you know, it was just not something to be talked about or dealt with at all. Um, uh, So... Uh, But after everything I had gone through with not only my mother, but myself, mocking an affliction that deeply affected me was not something I was interested in. Two months into my first and only real storyline, I turned my bosses down. As a rule of thumb, I'll never say no to something without suggesting an alternative option. It's just a smart thing to do if you want to healthily collaborate with people. So I pitched we take things a darker route. I suggested instead of making the character a caricature of a mentally ill person, why not explore how dangerous that illness could make her? I wanted her to be truly broken, vulnerable, clingy, and downright unsettling. If simply being heartbroken on camera had garnered so much support, embracing the even more extreme flaws humans keep hidden away inside of themselves would be the ultimate catharsis for the audience. Instead, I was taken off television for two months as a punishment. But eventually, they did let her do the character, and she says, Embracing the side effects of a broken relationship had initially been the catalyst for my connection to the audience, so I knew I had to continue exploring the depths of emotion within me. If I wanted to play crazy more truthfully, I only needed to look in a mirror. I knew what kind of darkness could exist inside of me. Years of living unmedicated had shown me the altered reality my eyes were capable of seeing. I knew exactly how twisted and torn my thoughts could become. Those feelings, though at bay, were only a short trip away. But facing them wasn't easy. I had spent so long ignoring my own bipolar disorder, I was still using I was still used to being in denial about it and sometimes untrained in controlling it. Would reaching deep down and pulling it to the surface only serve in helping it to consume me, or would it be the perfect way to hide in plain sight? I had asked to be the face of proper crazy, and now it was my responsibility to do it right. I got in touch with the deep dark corners of my mind I had tried to never look at for too long. Even in people who don't have bipolar disorder, there are warped desires and perverse instincts they fight to keep hitting, to keep hidden. Having bipolar disorder means those instincts jump to the surface without worry of repercussions. I decided that was exactly who I needed to be on screen, an amalgamation of rash, selfish, frightening behavior. I mean, that seems like a really perfect encapsulation of her relationship with the WWE where she's like, 
okay, this is what I want to do, something that is authentic and interesting and meaningful. And they're like, well, what if instead you did something offensive, stupid, and <laughs> fucking garbage that nobody's going to care about? And then she's like, okay, well, how about instead I do the thing that you're telling me to do because I have to because it's been my dream to be a wrestler since I was a child and you're my boss, but I do everything in my power to make that as intelligent and authentic and respectful as possible. Yeah. And what we get is somewhere in between yeah. probably her actual vision for it and what they wanted. Sure. Well, because yeah. there's just on a basic level, like the, sh the shit that they ask women to do, like for one thing that I... I, I thought of right off the bat walking around with your art with your back arched all the time just looks painful just looks like it gets really uncomfortable after a while like and between that and all the sick bumps she takes yeah she has spinal problems now oh, which you right. is not surprising given the way she wrestled and yeah the that weird awkward thing she had to do all the time this it's like you know with you know it's a joke about um uh, or, you know, something you see a lot in um, criticisms of, like, you know, the way uh, female comic book characters are drawn and stuff right. like that, where they're in these, like, ridiculous, twisted positions that no human being could actually get into. But then in, like, WWE, they're like, well, no, but you do kind of, you do kind of need we to. You can see to both like breasts that. and entire ass at the same yes. time somehow. Yeah. That, that was the priority, I think, for the WWE for a long time. Ass, ass, breasts, ass. So, uh, uh, yeah. No, no, no. I was just saying, um, uh, you know, so yes, this is, I mean, it's, it's a, it had the potential to just be a dumb love triangle story in, in the wrong hands in, you know, with bad wrestlers. Uh, it probably could have been the same trash, but, uh, this is now in the upper echelon for me of the five or six matches that we've watched that I have really, truly enjoyed. That's all. It's a yeah. fun, violent match. Oh yes. Very violent. Lots uh, of, lots of plunder. Uh, I, there's a great moment where uh, Daniel Bryan reverses uh, CM Punk's finisher, the go to sleep, into a Hurricane Rana that I really enjoyed. Uh, there's the first time that Daniel Bryan does the yes lock submission hold with a kendo stick yeah. across CM Punk's face. That looks very unpleasant. Um, there's the part where uh, Daniel Bryan has put CM Punk into what seems like an extremely difficult maneuver to do well and it's almost never done perfectly the romero special yeah where he's got like both legs hooked up with his own legs oh and the yeah arms and he's on his back and he's got him up in the air oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, really yeah. cool i've Some, never seen that before <laughs> sometimes called the surfboard like yeah, the... lots of people try it and they rarely do even brian if the guy is too big he won't be able to get him all the way up right and then even more impressively they work it so Punk gets one leg free, and while he still has the other leg locked into it, he reaches for the kendo stick and then beats Brian until he releases the yeah, hole. The balance it takes to do that kind of thing is just unreal. And and that seems like a particularly spectacular example of doing something that you can only pull off if you are collaborating and working together, and it looks like they're fighting, and, yeah. and it really hurts CM Punk, right? Because there's no way if you're trying to do that to somebody and oh, they yeah, don't yeah. want it, and they don't want it to happen, it's not going to fucking happen. It like no matter what great. position you're in. Uh, and um, th these two are just such such masters of their craft in the ring. You know, they they could have uh, every match they've ever had has just been great. Um, I don't really know what 
punk's politics are like, but then when it started, I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm just on my Twitter feed because I'm watching a tanky and an anarchist beat the <laughs> shit out of each other. Uh, mostly because the stars on his underwear sort of reminded me of like the like Chinese uh, flag uh, or something. So I don't know. I just I sort of uh, put him in the tanky position. I don't actually a, know how accurate that is. It's just it's just Chicago. It's the Chicago flag. Uh, okay. He's very he's very Chicago. I don't think either of them would identify as a socialist. No. Maybe uh, I think Brian might be some kind of anarcho-socialist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, he probably likes Chomsky. Uh, he he came out in support of Jill Stein in 2016. I I bet that I bet that if you are at a bar with Daniel Bryan and he doesn't think you're gonna like go tell anybody else about, I bet his actual political views are uh, are probably a lot more. As somebody who I am constantly uncomfortable. Uh, expressing the full depth of my political views to people. <laughs> then again, like he, he could just be working us. Yeah, uh, he, he reads a lot. He's very into like growing stuff, and uh, he's he's a Northwest hippie for all the the good and bad that yeah. that comes with. Um, yeah. And punk is well, punk is a straight edge punk rocker from Chicago. His, you know, his deal is that he's better than you, right? That's yeah. Generally the initial thing. character was, you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs, and that means I'm better than you. And he has he had evolved his character throughout his career from that. You know, now um, when when you when he's done interviews and stuff, he's talks about now he's like 41, and he's like he'll refer to old Phil because his real name is Phil. It's like old Phil would have gotten really angry and stayed really angry for a long time. And new Phil doesn't want to do that anymore. And a lot of punk rockers eventually come to that conclusion. Like, it's not worth it. Just holding a disdain for everything in the world all day. I'm going to have a heart attack. And then why didn't I do all those drugs if I'm just going to have a heart attack anyway? <laughs> he, he was always better as a heel in that role. It was yeah. great having the crowd boo the guy whose thing is just that he doesn't do drugs. <laughs> um but he, I mean, especially, I never thought they'd actually make that a heel in the WWE, and they did. They ran with it, yeah. and it was fantastic. He had the straight edge society. That was that was really good TV. And it's not so much that they wanted the baby faces to be endorsing doing drugs. When he was feuding with Triple H, Triple H got the zinger on him that kind of uh, encapsulated what the WWE ideal was. Is Triple H just said to him, you say you don't drink or do drugs. Yeah, neither do I. But I don't have to tell you every yeah. time I talk to you. <laughs> That's not my deal. Yeah. Well, because I think a part, part of what um, I was thinking with Punk is that, you know, not only is there the straight edge aspect and that's why he's better than you, yeah. but also just like he's a very handsome guy who's yeah. really good at wrestling. And um, I would say, based on what I've seen of all wrestlers so far, I'd be willing to bet he is one of the best actors in the bunch. Uh, even yeah. like he's now he's in a movie that's out now that yeah, we well, were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, and I would be willing to bet that he's like a pretty solid actor. Cause I just, I just felt like I felt like he was communicating more facially and stuff like then um, pretty much anybody else I had seen so far in this match. He's technically the baby face and Brian, the heel though. The crowd is about split between them. This is after um, WrestleMania, 28 when uh, Daniel Bryan lost in eight seconds. And so even though he was still technically supposed to be the heel, the crowd who was angry that he was getting, wasn't getting booked well as they saw it uh, was starting to really come around to him. And so he was doing the yes chant and the crowd was yesing along with him. Eventually, because he stayed heel for a while, he'd start telling them, you can't do the yes chant. I do the yes chant. And then he'd start doing the no chant. 
<laughs> um, uh, yeah, this was something of a dream match for uh, for serious wrestling fans at the time. Like, had been following both of their careers for a long time. This is the biggest stage this match had been put on uh, by uh, by a mile, you know, for the title, no less. It was like a major match. Uh, but of course, once again, the main story of the match was AJ Lee, not so much Brian. Right? Punk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly just you know this is my first real foray no, into yeah, Punk the, as well. This is, so I, want I to... mean, we're not going to ignore the the great match these two guys have and the and the characters that they played and that they are. The storyline was that you know uh, Brian and AJ had a relationship going, and Brian was not very nice to her and manipulative. And she was just kind of going along with it because she was being manipulated. Whereas she she wanted to be going out with Punk, but Punk kind of turned her down flat anyway, right. but was still nice to her. And then she was like, but you're nice to me. So and then she. Yeah. In, in real Which life, is, it was just kind of a cool reversal of like the like typical like guy getting friend zoned zoned sure. or whatever uh, yeah. AJ so Brian breaks up with AJ after the loss to Sheamus at Wrestlemania uh, and then AJ proposes to CM Punk and he turns in the, her in down the middle of the wow. ring, the, middle of the, ring yeah. the face that Punk pulls is like you know, sitcom star from the 50s mugging for the camera level. Like, she's asking me to marry her. Oh, no. What can I do? You know, Punk and AJ are now actually married. Yes. By the what way. was he saying? Were her, were, were her and Brian like actually no, involved? I don't know. So, or no, no, no. That's, yeah. Punk is, is well known and it's like it's no secret. Punk had a, quite a few of the divas over the course of his time in the WWE. Uh, he was romantically linked with. And uh, he settled uh, with AJ and like, and they both just got out of the business together. They were like, all right, peace. You and know? We're done. A AJ that, dated yeah. several men in the business yeah, yeah, before yeah, yeah. punk too, as you do, right? As you do. Well, like, that's yeah. the thing There's, about, you know, any kind of, it's hard yeah. to be married to someone who, or be in a relationship who, with someone who isn't in the business when you're in the business, yeah, especially um, when you're on the road, you know? Well, yeah, that's the thing. And I, I just imagine that the gulf between uh, wrestlers and any other human being in terms of just what you are doing with your time, the way you are approaching life. Um, I'm yeah. sure that uh, this, any, every wrestler spouse, like I remember, you know, we were talking about Roman Reigns at one point and um, uh, somebody was like, Oh, isn't he like a single dad or something? Which I don't mm -hmm. think that's true, but the thought of like a wrestler being like a single father, no, you right, should yeah. not, you shouldn't be doing that. It's dangerous. I imagine that the loved ones of wrestlers, it's, you know, it's like having a loved one in an active war zone. Like, you're just constantly yeah. worried about them. You're waiting for the call saying that they broke something rather significant. And then um, I, I imagine... Mick Foley talks about that a lot in his books, about the toll his, especially his rough style, took on his wife and his kids, you know, more his wife even, because he retired before his kids got particularly old. Uh, but he had to both calm down and eventually mostly retire, just partially to save his marriage. And I'd also imagine just, you know, it's a little bit like how, you know, the Olympic Village is always yeah. a fuck fest. If you've got a bunch of kind of weird, unbelievably physically fit people yes. just all in close quarters together, traveling around, going through like some weird shit together. Most all this, like of them in their early 20s. Yeah, like <laughs> people are going to wind up fucking. Um, but just a couple more things about the match. Cool moments. At one point, uh, there's a two count. Punk kicks out. And Brian like mansplains the three count to AJ. He's like, it's one, two, three. All right, count um, faster. And then he immediately gets rolled up, and she counts. That was yeah. yeah. Uh, and and there's the great moment where she takes out the chair, and it's like, who's she gonna hit it with? Who's she gonna hit with the chair? And then she just throws it in the ring and lets them fight right, over right, it right in the middle. 
Um, and then the finish is the back suplex through the table and Punk wins. Yeah. Now, Oliver, she, she expresses through her face the entire match, all of the emotions yeah. that you're supposed to be paying attention to through the whole match. They take her out at one point and she comes back. Yeah, right, I was right, wondering, right. I, I couldn't quite get why that happened. Well, th- it was the standard ref bump where like, oh, no, you might be hurt. Yeah. And then Brian kept trying to like tell them you got to take her away because he didn't want her to be refing the match because he just broken up with her. He wanted a regular referee that he could either just deal with or manipulate to win the match as the heel. Uh, so he wasn't happy when she came back either. And I think it was also I mean, they because she commanded so much attention uh, from the crowd and it was hard to look away from her. Um, because of her facial expressions and her reactions, I think they wanted people to actually pay attention to Punk and Brian for a while. <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. Well, they, um, they, they were two of the best wrestlers, you know, that, having their dream match. One of the commentators does say, she craves attention. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, just yeah. wait until we get into the commentary. Oh, on oh, I wrote, oh I wrote a bunch yeah. of stuff. Before yeah. that, uh, because of this feud, AJ was, on the fir- was the first woman to ever be on a WWE pay-per-view poster. Yeah, she was on the. That, that can't be true, is that? I don't know. Sometimes she when they says have, something like, like that the in the book. It was it was either together. the first time in many many years. Like I definitely or remember the first time ever. I definitely remember WrestleMania posters with Trish Stratus on it. So yeah, I think it was. But I think it was at least the first time in like five or seven years or something yeah. like that. And mm. and um, it's her and Daniel Bryan, and it's the whole thing where like the the cartoon old timey villain ties the damsel in distress to the train tracks but it's aj has tied brian to the train (laughs) tracks (laughs) that's that's i I enjoy that yeah um uh so yeah oh no i was just just, i I had a couple like miscellaneous points Mm -hmm. about this match one the back suplex through the table yeah does not appear to be a thing that would hurt one person (laughs) more than the other person you know what i mean like it looks like you're both Pretty much getting about the same amount of damage done to you when you go through it. I think that's the point of the finish is that it was so close. Mm, You know, like it just so happened that Punk landed on top. Yeah, and I I, I guess you get like, I guess it does five fewer HP damage if you're on top. They did have a rematch, right? Then another match the next month. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure which one of them this one was, actually. Um, There's a point. I was surprised by the finish. There's a point where they're fighting. Um, out in the, I guess, like the ramp that yeah, the goes back, um, and uh, and Punk throws Brian into the barricade, and I'm always amazed at how acceptable uh, it is for fans to touch the wrestlers, even at this level of wrestling. But they th- he throws Brian in him, and you know, some people are like, you know, touching him and and doing all this stuff in a sort of like, oh my god, I'm touching Daniel Bryan. This is right. amazing, but. <laughs> There's a woman on his uh, on his left side who just kind of does this very gentle, like, hey, you got this, man, kind of yeah. shoulder pat. <laughs> that was really the, just like, oh, there you go. You're, you're going to get this. Uh, and I thought that was very I mean, nice. W- one of the real appeals to pro wrestling is you can go see it live. And, like, if you can, if you have the means to get good seats, you can be that close to the wrestlers. Now, you probably shouldn't reach out and touch the wrestlers. If you're gonna, that's about as much as you should. Um, but yeah, it's like you see these people on television and that makes it really real. Yeah. You can't, uh, you know, be inches away from Wolverine or yeah, Captain America know, or whatever. So, so here's an example where you can, I, I yeah. can see that. Um, and then my only other point for this is, oh yeah, this general point. I like the idea of 
a ref that has their own agenda. Yeah. I've seen a few I've seen a few matches with guest refs, but those guest refs right. are usually there to either be it's either like stone cold so he can just stunner whoever is left at the end at the end of the match. Classic, He's yeah. good or, at that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um or it's like, you know, somebody who's brought in so like they ha- so they have more HP than the regular yeah. kind of ref. But this is the first time I've seen a a a, a guest ref or a ref that is also an established character in their own right who they have their own view on the match and they have their own desires and agenda related to the match and i thought it made a really interesting counterpoint and i would love to see more stuff like that and that's different i'd like to point out than having the crooked ref where the ref is in the pocket of one or the other yeah exactly uh, competitors which is another thing that has been done well and yeah yeah it would be interesting for you to see that eventually maybe some danny do Maybe some Danny Davis stuff. Oh, I got yeah. so excited. I thought you were going to say Danny DeVito. Oh, no. no. But, yeah, oh, man. that one match on Always Sunny. Oh, that episode. That's like the best episode of Oh, is that the one with Roddy Piper? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We're Roddy Piper. I'm the trash man. All right. Roddy Piper owes like $15 to somebody. I got to say, I mean, yeah. I've, 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 I fell off Always Sunny because I got kind of tired of it. On. But I feel like a lo- enough people have told me that, like, they're like, look, like maybe like season seven or something is weak, but they're like it really comes back strong in the later yeah. years. It's, so I gotta get back into it. It was always a hard show to binge. Yeah, it's like after a while, it's like they're such fucking assholes. I just can't deal well, with. And it. I've only seen like a dozen episodes. I've loved all of them, but I've never seen an episode of Always Sunny and thought, man, let me watch five more. Well, because it <laughs> it has the problem that a lot of comedy, and I'm I'm gonna bring this back to wrestling. Uh, in the but it has the problem that a lot of comedy. Yeah. Especially in the two thousands, did a lot of comedy that I love, like you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm or something like that. Where after a while, after after a while of that style being popular, I started to be like, man, I really need to see a comedy about an asshole where they experience consequences for their actions. <laughs> right. Like this I is mean, really... that's not what life is actually like. No, of course not. Um, like I know I. Uh, that's why you want the fantasy. <laughs> great example of that is. Um, the show Vice Principals, I thought. Danny McBride stuff in general, I feel like he does a good job of being an asshole who then experiences consequences and has to grow somewhat as a result. Um, and I guess, uh, you know what? I fucking lied. I'm not bringing it back to wrestling at all. I don't have... I just wanted to talk about shows that I like. So uh, let's 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 move along then to some matches. AJ yes. was an active participant. Yes, and we're yes. kind of going in chronological order here. Right. By this next match, which would be AJ versus Caitlin for the Divas Championship, um, this is one of the first times that they had a match like this on one of their shows. And I don't just mean like a one-on-one match with the women. This is like they had finally started to lift the restrictions and saying, okay, if you want to wrestle like the men, you can wrestle like the men. And so they do. Caitlin was pretty good. She was not a brilliant wrestler like like some of the women that they she have now. She was green as grass. Yeah, but her and AJ had trained together so much uh, that they, they knew what they were going to do. And she played her part as like the heavy in the match very well so they were really really good friends right off the bat uh they met when they were doing the nxt reality show uh that they were both on and aj was the you know indie wrestler who worked her ass off to get into the business you know um for years and years caitlin was the fitness model that they hired to be a big star yeah she was a bodybuilder and so they were you know polar opposites but just happened to hit it off and became great yeah. friends immediately. Caitlin ended up winning that season of NXT. 
And then they went on to team as the Chick Busters, which so uh, at one point, AJ was dating this guy, Trent Beretta, who was in a team called the Dude Busters. So they became the Chick Busters. They teamed for a while because of what this whole uh, love triangle with Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, which had turned AJ heel. That damaged her relationship with Caitlyn, which led to their feud. Um, AJ does some really cool shit that then a lot of the women's matches that we have seen that take place after her career, I see women doing this. And I don't know if it's something that AJ pioneered herself or if it's just a thing that you would naturally do uh, if you are wrestling and you have a smaller and lighter frame. But there is a, there are a lot more like... Um, submission holds where she is entirely on the other person and all of her weight is on that person. It was sort of like in the Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch match that we watched too, where they're like, one wrestler will be entirely on top of the other and the other one is walking around <laughs> with them on it, like trying to like shake them off and like, you know, rearing back and slamming her into the into the ring to try to get her off. And I don't know, it feels a lot more, like, not just kinetic, but there is, yeah, there is a lot more, I guess, sort of playing with that weight and, like, yeah. wrapping yourself around somebody and trying to get them in that that I, that I see a lot of the women wrestlers do. And it's really, really interesting to watch. And it's a really substantially different thing that I feel like I don't see happen in men's matches. Well, AJ didn't invent that. You, you do see stuff like that more often in, in certain Japanese style matches, but really it's a good kind of move to do when you're a lot smaller than your opponent. And the wrestler like AJ Lee, who's so small that even like by women's wrestling standards, she's tiny. Um, she, it would behoove her to put in her arsenal holds like that, where you have to hold all of her weight. Um, I think what did Muda do? Holds like that, I think. Yeah, maybe the great Muta. Great Muta, yeah. KG Mudo. But um, on that note, so you know, Caitlyn's strength is her strength. Yeah, her power, and she's extremely powerful. She throws AJ around a bunch. She does this cool fireman's carry roll with her. Um, AJ on the uh, um, speaking of the Black Widow, her finisher where she wraps herself around her opponent, she gets into the Black Widow a couple of really cool ways. There's one where Caitlyn picks her up for a slam and sort of swings her around, and she swings around into the Black Widow. And then the finish of the match, she evades um, Caitlyn's charge into the corner. Uh, Caitlyn crashes into the turnbuckle, and then from that position, AJ rolls down and wraps her into the Black Widow, and that's when she taps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's I, in in all of the matches with AJ I've seen so far. There's such a cool. Uh, it's it's hard to describe. It's just like the the particular combination of high flying spots and quick reversals and stuff that it just it has a really different rhythm that is really uh, really captivating. Mm -hmm. Now, as great as this match is, it's still steeped in bullshit. Oh, Jerry, oh, yeah. fucking. So Lawler. Yeah, oh, no. so to begin with, there's the storyline leading into it with the fucking secret admirer shit. Oh, yeah, what, what, what that. was that? that was I was the story there. So they the were story doing. for weeks was that Caitlyn had a secret admirer that, you know, despite her being a big star on TV, like, this is like, <laughs> she's fucking head over heels for this person she's never met. And then it turns out that the secret admirer was AJ's bodyguard, Biggie Langston. Who's, who's great in and of himself, by the way. That's a whole other oh, story. Yeah. 
Um, and <laughs> so he, you know, ultimately is revealed as the secret admirer, uh, shoves Caitlyn down, rejects her. And 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 Caitlyn is crying and heartbroken over it. Caitlyn does a lot of crying, like at the end of the match. They they, yeah. they still always make the women win or lose. They yeah. always fucking cry. Uh, I, I think Sasha Banks is just a crier. <laughs> Maybe some people are just criers. I watched the the table for three. I think with uh, with Natty Neidhart and some people, she cries like twice. And at one point, she just says like, "I cry a lot. Deal with it." It's you know, like, and, and once again, this yeah. is something that if. If the dudes were crying, right? If, yeah. If, right. If, yeah. Right. If the fuck. If, <laughs> if Randy Orton just started yeah. a tear coming down. His at face. the end of the match, the Big Show just bursts into tears. Yeah, it's like, funny you, you mentioned know. that they have made the Big Show cry a couple of times. Of really? all the guys, it's, you know, yeah. because it's it's clearly the most hilarious yeah. of. Uh, right. <laughs> Shawn Michaels cried when he won his first WWF title, right? Uh, the, the boy think, who dreamed. I think had been he realized. tried and couldn't actually get a cry out. You could see him like scrunch his face, like. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't quite have. I I'm sure he was dehydrated after the Iron Man match. Shawn Michaels also was clearly not bound to the same gender roles that the yes, rest of yes, us are. So, uh, so yeah, the fucking it's the worst possible fucking announced team yeah. you could want calling this match. Michael Cole, who's you know. I mean, uh, he's not great. He has his moments. He sells you Big Macs the entire time. Yeah. Then, but he's got Jerry Lawler and JBL, and 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 is get, that the really deep voice guy? Is JBL, yeah, the, JBL? Texan, yeah, the Texan? Yeah, yeah, okay. Who's a fucking? He's he's a great heel, but an evil motherfucker. Um, and and what is Lawler says? All women despise each other. Uh, I, I think Jerry Lawler said, um, I, "I I can read women, but I prefer the Braille version." Oh. Uh, yeah, right. And then, wow, that's like still. a really gross thing that's not funny, but he clearly put a lot of thought into like how to... Uh. JBL's all like, well, you know, crazy people can be manipulative. Yeah. and um, I, yeah. She needs a spanking was one thing. That oh, Lawler right, yeah. Caitlin rips right. her belt off. And right, yeah. so in, in the fucking... Uh, we, we watched a match for one of the premium episodes with Shawn Michaels and Triple H. We'll probably watch a whole bunch of belt whippings at some point. Never when one man is about to whip another man oh, yeah. has an announcer said, oh, yeah, he needs a good spanking. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and, maybe not never, but rarely. And, you know, they didn't even do the belt whipping in this match. AJ wrapped her studded belt around her fist and punched Caitlyn in the face, <laughs> which is much yeah. better, right? Yeah, that. way better. That's how you fight with a belt. Um, I, I, Triple H did that to Shawn Michaels, actually. Yeah, in match too. yeah, yeah. Ah. With the big belt buckle. With well, the big anyway. belt buckle, right, but, and yeah. covered in blood. And Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, despite that, like, I actually don't really have a ton of notes about this match because I just sort of thought it was a, a yeah, good match. Like, was. I, I, mean, I was really entertained the whole time. I thought their characters were very clear. And they fit together very well. I mean, it was a hell of a carry job on AJ's part. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Caitlin, you know, Caitlin wasn't bad, uh, but she was very new. And AJ was a ring general. And yeah. she mm -hmm. made a really great match out of some uh, out of um, having, you know, a fairly limited uh, partner to work with. Uh, Caitlin has recently returned uh, briefly to wrestling. She was in the May Young Classic last year, and I thought she made a good showing of herself. I don't know if we'll see more of her. I believe she, she's wrestling somewhere in South America now. There's, there's starting to be more and more like South American wrestling. I don't know too many of the details. I know there's like a Chilean league that's popping up. I believe it's a Peruvian league that's popping up. I have to, I have to look further into that. 
this feud lasted several months after this match. Mm. Uh, I picked this one because when I looked at all like the top ten AJ Lee matches, this one is always number one. Yeah. Um, well, it, it was the match that proved to everybody that she could have a traditional singles match and carry it as a title match without all the diva stuff on top of it. And so for this one, and I know this really was the very first time ever, um, at least on the main roster, and I think maybe the very first time ever in general, they had a contract signing, which is a wrestling trope. They do contract signings all the time for the rematch between Caitlyn. And it was the first time that women that a women's match mm. had a contract signing on TV. Uh, and so AJ Lee, she's like stone cold out of the business, can't wrestle like her she shit is too fucked up. She could if she wanted to. No, she left. You know, the, the you know, CM Punk left. And she was married to him, and like, if she really wanted to, she probably could have like toughed the storm of that out. But after a few more months, like her contract was coming up, and she just didn't didn't resign. They treated her fine character wise on television, but it couldn't have been fun being backstage. She made money, he made money. Both of them should have made a lot more money than they did, and they just kind of, you know, they retreated to their place in Chicago and read comic books to each other for the next few years. It's a beautiful story. And she accomplished everything she could ever possibly want yeah. to. I mean, as we'll talk about. In the next match, she had a match at WrestleMania. First of all, she defended the Divas title the first time a women's title was defended at WrestleMania in seven years. The first time ever the Divas title was defended at WrestleMania. She defeated the entire roster in one match, then went on the next year to defeat, soundly defeat the Bella Twins, who were her biggest rivals, in a match, uh, passed the torch to Paige. And then and 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 this and after working with Paige, all these other women from NXT hadn't come up yet, so she really didn't have anyone else to work with. So she was like, "Fuck it, I'm out of here." A lot, and, a lot of their top women did that. Except, I mean, AJ was special; she was like better than most of them. But they hit a ceiling, and the ceiling was really low in the WWE because even when you were the champion, you were still like. Not secondary. You were like way down the card. You know, um, Stacy Keebler, who got a lot of mainstream attention. You know, she's not Dancing with Stars and everything. She left, and people were shocked when she said like she only made like 150k a year or something because she was on television every week. And like she made more money being a D-list actress. Things have changed now, and very recently have those changes finally happened. But there was no place else for AJ to go. And I guess also. Just the fact that you physically could, in theory, continue wrestling right. does not mean that you should. No. And I could definitely see somebody being like, hey, you know what? I'm only a little fucked up, so right. I'm just I'm going to get out now. And, you know, I, I really respect her and CM Punk for being, you know, for not giving in to the kind of pressure, yeah. the desire for greater fame, the need to be have that attention on them anymore. Constantly. Which almost every wrestler in history seems to have where they just can't give it up. I mean, of course, Punk is kind of back now. Well, Punk but... is Punk is now on, the as the time of this recording, and it's still a big kind of wrestling news story, Punk is in the, the show that the WWE is putting on FS1, which is like a sports-style analysis show. He has a contract directly with Fox. He does not have a deal with the WWE, but Fox wanted CM Punk because they thought he'd be a good a a analyst. And it's his job basically to go on that show and be like, this was bad this week with no consequences from the WWE on it, which is kind of a dream job of his, yeah. I think. A as I mentioned in a previous episode, he was a commentator on one season of Netflix's uh, obstacle course yeah. athletic show, Ultimate Beastmaster, and was quite entertaining. 
You know he's going to be back in the ring, though. Well, they asked they asked him, like, what about another match? And he's like, there's a lot of barriers between that. I won't say, like, never, but, like, we'll see. And really what he means is they have to pay him a lot of money. Yeah. Anyway, and this is about... like, yeah. th- he had said, like, people are acting like, oh, Punk sold out. He always said, they weren't paying me what I'm worth. If they want to pay me like an elite athlete gets paid when they're being employed by a billion dollar company i'll come yeah. back and do it yeah you know you but know, i i won't do it until they're literally paying me brock lesnar makes that much money why aren't i making that much you, money you know what isn't selling out an artist who's given their entire life to their art who's unbelievable who's incredibly good at it trying to make low six figures like so, like uh, to yeah. like trying to make like 250 300 grand so, that's not fucking selling so out we'll do some punk episodes in yes the yeah yeah this sorry AJ keep, yeah, yeah, and sorry. on I, that point part of the reason i think she left was they kept chanting cm punk at her when she right, came out yeah, really right. well oh, punk, they wanted punk back yeah oh well, they God. were doing that over a lot of people's matches at the time they still do yeah they still do um, Punk leaving was part of what was ripping the WWE asunder. Yeah, after she left, AJ did some like animal rights outreach stuff yep, and yep. some like awesome. uh, mental health outreach stuff. She's and, real cool. Yeah, uh, I, I I so respect the attempt to balance. Like they're trying to put her into the you know crazy character. It made me think a lot about like like uh, like '90s movie villains and yeah. like and like crazy and what crazy meant. For so long, I'm making quotation marks. The guys are giving me looks about it. Uh, and, like, what that meant for so long. Like, her, some of her facial expressions kind of reminded me of, like, there's a million examples, a million terrible tropes of this. The one that came to mind most immediately was Gary Oldman in The Professional. Yeah. Uh, like, so, but just, like, it's, you know, such a cartoonish, uh, offensive, fucking uh, stupid and insensitive idea of crazy and her taking that and really trying to use her own her uh her own experience to make it something more just like something that's not a caricature something that's still meaningful that is would be meaningful for some kid watching it who is suffering from real mental illness and you know and can see a representation of that on television that's not some sort of caricature Imagine if, like, one day wrestling could have a genuine, authentic storyline with a character struggling with mental illness that wasn't a caricature at all, and that was just a real deep dive into what that's like. That would be fucking cool. Come on, book it, dudes. Now we get Eugene. Oh, that's... Uh, we'll show you Eugene. That'll that'll be a bad match one of these days. Well, he who, was a who, was you, who was Eugene? He was a... Um, Cog- cognitively re- disabled oh, they, character. They oh, always God. referred to him only as very special. Oh, the character Christ. became like he was a wrestling savant where he like did the caricature backstage and they put him in the ring and he knew all these holes uh, and stuff. A fine technical wrestler. His career was never the same before or after. What? When was? What year was it? Mid-2000s. That? Okay. You know? Little later than you'd think, right? Yeah. Well, they were um, a bit behind the times. So okay. So the the, yeah. the last match we're going to talk about the Vicky Guerrero Invitational featuring excuse me Summer Rae versus Eva Marie versus Naomi of the Funkadactyls versus Cameron of the Funkadactyls versus Alicia Fox versus Oksana versus Natalia versus. Emma versus Brie Bella versus Nikki Bella versus Layla versus Rosa Mendez versus Tamina versus Divas champion AJ Lee. 
And it, the, here's the thing. They would do this all the time. They would put all the fucking divas into one match. I remember Survivor Series match, five on five elimination matches that lasted three minutes. The whole match was just like finish your pinfall, finish your pinfall, finish your pinfall, which, and they do the fucking. Just to get everyone on the show, you know. You can hear, you can like hear Vince being like, oh, let's just get it all out of the way at once. Let's get all the ladies out of the way. Here was the worst part about this particular match. They put it on as the match immediately after the Undertaker's WrestleMania streak was broken by Brock (laughs) Lesnar. Wow. You could Uh, not have a more dead fucking uninterested crowd. (laughs) And somebody had to follow that match, but... uh... Yeah, it really didn't. It really didn't. Have and to I'll say it a fucking again. This is the first time they defended a women's title on WrestleMania since WrestleMania <sighs> 23, and this was WrestleMania 30. Well, one one of the things that I thought was such a bummer about this match is that you can. There's a lot of cool shit going on. Like yeah, they're yeah. like they're all. Everybody's doing something interesting, and they're. But it's like it's like eating a dish. That's been prepared with all herbs and spices known to man, where there might be some really cool combinations of things happening there, but it's just a wash. It just comes out as a wash. Salt and pepper and thyme and cinnamon, and it's like, wait, why why are you mixing the thyme and the cinnamon? Come on, man. Yeah. There were some... well, Well, her finisher's the cinnamon, and this is her payday this year. Just put her in the match. There were some stupid fucking spots, too. There's the one where, like, five people do a suplex, and yeah. they all cover it once, Let's... and the referee's like, one, two, and then, like, maybe some of them kick out, and he doesn't know who to ref look looks, at. The and... ref looks very overwhelmed. Uh, um, yeah. let's, let's just zoom out for a sec. Uh, what is this? What I... is happening <laughs> here? Well, they don't well, who... do a good job of explaining <laughs> it at all. It's not a battle royal. No. It's not an elimination match. There's one fall. One fall to a finish. There's no uh, tags. What, who, what is the Vicky story, Guerrero's role? Vicky Guerrero was the general manager of what, SmackDown at this point? Was this SmackDown or Raw? It doesn't matter. I, she was the uh, Raw, I think, maybe. She was the general manager of one of the shows, and she was feuding with AJ Lee. And it was your standard wrestling champion is in trouble with the authority figure angle they've done a million times. And he's like, well, to stack the odds against you, AJ, you're going to defend the title against everybody. (laughs) First fall takes it. And that was the way they got the entire Divas division on WrestleMania that year. Um, You have in the past referred to. So I've seen Vicky Guerrero one time before, and she was like incapacitated at the time. Uh, You had referred to her at the time as like oh she became one of like the greatest wrestling villains and i had no idea what what to expect or anything and uh yeah oh she's great the (laughs) fight excuse me oh oh, it's oh i'm getting yelled at by my principal right exactly yeah she was great at the house shows she would come out and start because she'd have as much time as she wanted to scream at everyone and whip them up and weep them up and then get pissed at them for not going along and just oh she's just dynamite major, they need to put her in the hall of fame like now major big principal energy yeah right, yeah right there uh so a couple more things by the way not only was this the first time that they had defended the divas title at wrestlemania it was the only time because it was retired the, the next year was that tag team match that we already covered uh right. between the bellas and aj and page and then the next year they got rid of the stupid fucking divas thing and just made it the women's title yeah. Uh, the fucking butterfly, uh, uh, gaudy butterfly Barbie belt. 
yeah. whatever. Now, they still have like a battle royal on WrestleMania every year with most of the women in it, but they also have a battle royal with most of the men, uh, the, the, all the ones that aren't otherwise on the card, and they actually have other women's matches on the card. What a concept, you know? Well, that's, uh, I, once again, like going back to the, the frustrating thing about this being that a lot of what is happening in the ring is actually pretty cool, and there's some good wrestling, is that it feels like they could have... They could have taken everybody in this match and made an entire fucking pay-per-view yeah. out of out, just pairing them off or like having, you know, like two or three at a time. And it would have been really good because it seems like everybody here is good. Almost. There's well, plenty of talent in there. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I, it was hard to tell. <laughs> I have yeah, a few everyone specific. Everyone one good move. Yeah. Well, almost everyone. Most of them. Remember, well, Eva yes, Maria is in this match. As is Eva, as is Rosa Mendez. Rosa Mendez actually, she did the like side slam thing, yeah, and it wasn't horrible. Was she okay. didn't botch oh, it completely. And then Emma does um, the the move, no, yeah. but the commentator calls it the Emma sandwich, right? Because he didn't get the joke. Because he yeah. wasn't watching NXT, and she had just come to the main roster. The proper name yeah. is the Emma Mite. Sandwich, which um, also is kind of a reference that nobody in America gets, <laughs> and is sort of a stretch, even if you do get it. Yeah. I will yeah, say. <laughs> for sure. And she also does the dilemma; she gets both of her um, puntastic moves in there. Um, but it do it does kind of remind me of like if you upset somebody from California, yeah. and then like they react in a way where you're like, you don't seem mad. I understand that you are <laughs> mad, but you are not capable of really expressing being angry because if you're from the west coast you're only you're raised to only really express a handful of emotions and they're all positive dude you don't get it i'm seething right now <laughs> so um, um, as yeah. opposed to on the east coast we're taught to express six emotions almost all of which are negative oh yeah uh, to the to the car that's halfway into the crosswalk fuck you yeah uh so um the bellas uh New York. the bellas get their shine in this one uh, the Bella Twins get their shine yeah. in this one. They, they kind of botched the first double team move they hit. Not the Bellas. Uh, but but then the <laughs> other two are, are, are pretty good. They do like a drop kick combo and then like a, a dive thing. I want to mention it because I didn't mention it on the premium episode uh, from a couple weeks ago where we talked about the Bellas. Brie Bellas got this thing called Brie Mode. It's part of her theme music. It's on her T-shirt. When she fires up, she goes, Brie Mode! But the origin of that is from Total Divas. Brie Mode was the name for when she got drunk and belligerent and out of hand <laughs> on the show. I mean, that's a little bit what you want your wrestling character to be, right? Steve Austin was basically just in yeah. Steve Austin mode 24-7. And, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and, when, and I, I think Daniel Bryan kind of judged her for it because, <laughs> like, he's pretty clean and whatever. Yeah. Um, he, he's real kind of judgy on Total Divas. Um, I get, maybe he's leaning into the vegan character because that's like society's perception of how vegans are, even though yeah. thousands, hundreds, if not thousands of vegans I have met over the course of my life. And two or three of them were like that. I, I think. think I think he's just he's just probably kind of judgmental. He's probably kind of a snob. You know, he's I grow my own vegetables. Thank you. You yeah. know, hey, the, and it's not that I have like a, a compost toilet. You know, I, I, we may have mentioned this on the podcast before. You know, somebody burglarized his house and he personally chased them down on foot and put them in a hold. And they were so lucky it was him and not another world class wrestler who might have wanted to hurt them. He was just worried that this guy hurt like their pet. 
And uh, he just held them till the cops showed up. And I get like, like if, guy, yeah. if you grow your own vegetables and a composting toilet and you're the greatest wrestler on the planet, <laughs> like, right. yeah, you're probably going to have like a bit of a, a, a yeah. thing about it. So um, Eva Marie is in this match. You might have noticed her. She had the like red, red, deep, bright red hair. I think so. And she also didn't do anything. I remember athletic. a lot. I honestly remember a lot more of the footwear of the crazy boots that people were wearing. So Eva Marie might be the worst wrestler they've ever had. They wow. tried with her. Well, they tried with her for so long and she just didn't get any better. They gave her her own personal trainer in Brian Kendrick and she still didn't get any better. Yeah, she Is was it a just bad did she have a really impressive look or something? Oh, she's, she's She's she she's hot. If, in, she was very good on total traditional standards. Uh, she well, she good, I guess. Well, she was she was on the show for several years. Yeah, I she was popular. People who watched Total Divas found um, worth in it. But she really represents the end of the Divas era. Mm. She was the last person who couldn't wrestle that they, that they thought was hot, and so they just tried to force into a wrestling role, and it didn't work, and that was it. After that, like it was, it was over for that. Yeah, the fans were not accepting it anymore. They wanted women who are women wrestlers, wrestling, uh, and that's because it's on the wrestling show, right? Yeah, it's amazing, <laughs> amazing how long it fucking took to get there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Alicia Fox looks really good in this match. She does her her big uh, scissor kick, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, Natalia is always good, though. There's this thing they always do with Natalia. She does her spinning clothesline thing, and they're like, just like her daddy, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Now, first of all, they don't refer to any male wrestler's father as their daddy. No. And two, Jim the Anvil Neidhart didn't do that move. Yeah, I, I can't remember him wow. ever doing that move. He did a clothesline. Yeah, she she know. fucking I, I mean she's not the first person to do that move. The she calls it the natty go round. But no, she decided to do that herself. It I, is not a tribute to her fucking father. I was I was very actively blocking out the commentators at this point. <laughs> I was so I was like I don't even want to know what they're saying. Also, I didn't think that there was really going to be anything like said by the 30 people wrestling in the ring that was before. So I kind of had the volume down on this. Also, a lot of times I have the volume down. Um, because I'm afraid that my neighbors will hear me watching <laughs> all this wrestling all the time. You're getting, I, I'll being a wrestling that. fan. Yeah. <laughs> we are wrestling Americans, okay? We are discriminated against. I remember, like, wrestling is a little more accepted in, like, the nerd and geek community these days. I remember back in the day, you'd, you'd go to, like, nerd cons before nerd cons were a thing, and you still had to, like, go into the corner with your wrestling friends, like, wrestling? Uh, I, ge I guess it took a long time for nerds to realize that wrestling fans are also nerds. I don't know why it took took nerds so long to realize that not only was wrestling fake, but wrestling fans knew it was. Well, Come on. I think wrestling fans for a long time, maybe in like the 80s and before, actually were like more like jocks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Were more sports fans, were like just mean and <laughs> and bullies and stuff like that. I think the generation of nerdy wrestling fans started with us. Yeah, kind of. I mean, if you go if you go all the way back, like if you watch uh, wrestling from the fifties, it's treated like a big boxing event. You look at the people in the front row; they're all wearing like suits and dresses and like their hats and so on. There's it's an there's an issue of Neil Gaiman's Death comic book where the like uh, the the uh, hero of the comic who's like a teenage kid meets Death, and he says he's like. 
I don't want to w- live in a world with the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's what Neil Gaiman was. That was his judgment of pro wrestling at the time. I, I guess it's also something where, like, I so I was talking to a friend of mine this past weekend who uh, I was I was visiting a, um, a mutual friend of Doc and I, and and he asked uh, he was like, oh, you know, so how is how is the podcast going? I'm like, oh, you know, it's going pretty well. I'm I'm enjoying it so far. And he's like, yeah, cause, like, so like, wh- how do you feel about wrestling? And I'm like, look, you know, it's, I think it's, it doesn't take a lot of work to get to the point where you are sort of begrudgingly like, it's a lot. There's a lot more going on than I would have thought. It's a lot yeah. more interesting than I would have thought. And a big part of that is the things that make wrestling interesting the all the other information that you need to obtain in order to watch a match and have an idea of what's going on is not information you will ever be able to get from watching wrestling it's really it is it's almost like an oral tradition some a a a friend of yours a sub who knows about it has to sit down with you and explain how we're, it's like jazz. You know what I mean? Like if you just play somebody a jazz record and they have no frame of reference for it, they're going to be like, I don't, un- there's no lyrics. There's nothing for me to like What's latch on to. Like, why are they, they, I don't understand. Like, it seems very egotistical in that it's like the soloing. And then you have to explain like the intellectual tradition behind it and how the musicians are interacting with each mm. other and all this stuff. And it's stuff that you'll never be able to glean just if you're in the wild absorbing it by yourself you need to be initiated um and the interesting thing in it and i i noticed this with people who also didn't grow up reading comic books like people who don't like wrestling that i know can't look at it you know they they'd sit down to watch it for 30 seconds and they just get like frustrated and 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 walk away mm-hmm. they don't know how to watch it yeah and i know people who didn't grow up reading comic books who don't know how to read comics they look at it and they don't understand where their eyes are supposed to go. They aren't. They don't understand what whether they're supposed to read the words first or look at the pictures. And for those of us who grew up with comics, you just yeah, you, you just, just read, read them. Yeah. <laughs> and I I think there's also there's a lot of and I fucking one hundred percent admit to falling into this trap myself. But um, with both comic books and wrestling, there is a real classism. There is a yeah. real people look down on it. And I absolutely fuck it. That's the gen- the genesis of this podcast was like, I really look down on this thing, but I also respect <laughs> you guys. Yeah. I This creates a dissonance for me. Uh, you know, so sort of the very uh, one of the broad inspirations for this podcast was the great uh, Analyze Fish podcast between um, Scott Ackerman and the late great comedian harris whittles in which scott ackerman's like so you know you're a person that i respect whose work is fantastic and yet you also love the band fish and i just fucking can't make sense of this so i need you to explain it to me um and yeah and i i think that you know people will watch wrestling and like you don't know how it works but you know and you don't know how to watch it or what to look for but you do know that it looks like other things that you hate and you think about the people you have known in your life who like <laughs> wrestling. And a lot of the times, I mean, like wrestling is a real, like it is something that appeals to, I'm not to make everything about class, but it appeals to the working class of America. It appeals yeah, to like so. the, you know, people who like, 
I don't like. I, I don't even know. To, how... Like uh, the cognitively disabled as well too. Like anyone can watch wrestling. Yes, you yeah. know, and you and that's that kind of cool about it is it's universal. Um, like one of the WWE's big charity partners is Make a Wish. Like the the person, the single person who has done more Make a Wish wishes is John Cena. I'm not sure if he's up to 500, but uh, but kids in the Make a Wish program love John Cena because he's their fantasy. And that's, you know, that's that. And, 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 you know, you're right. Like, there is something about, like, you know, the derisive way to talk about it is to say that something is basic. But, like, really it just means, like, if it appeal, you know, it can appeal to people on multiple levels. And I think, you know, even for us, like, you know, we're, we're we love the uh, postmodern aspects of wrestling and how it blends reality and fantasy and, and, uh, and you never really know what the truth is, and you're never really gonna know everything. But like, also like, it's just fucking like big guys slamming into each other, and like, you know, you shouldn't act like you're better than that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's exactly. like, 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 you know, same thing. Like, are you too? It's like being too good for a fart joke. You know, it's like, yeah, a lot <laughs> of fart jokes are dumb, but if they're masterfully done, it's great. And if you can't let yourself do that then i don't know if you can't let yourself enjoy that then you know it's your loss uh so last thing about this last match uh the vicky guerrero invitational uh aj eventually wins the match by tapping out naomi to the black widow i just wanted to point out that aj and naomi had had quite a history together um they started out in florida championship wrestling which eventually became nxt uh, the WWE's developmental promotion together. Uh, I think the first AJ Lee match I ever saw was against Naomi uh, in FCW. And I think it might be interesting for us to watch that match eventually because we can see what AJ was like before she was produced by the WWE at all. Um, and so, yeah, so she beats Naomi. She beats the entire Divas division. She really clears the deck for what was to come uh, with the development of women's wrestling over the next several years. Yeah, the only real shame is that she didn't stick around to see it. If she had stuck around another couple of years, not only would she be really in the mix with all these amazing women, she probably would have gotten paid a lot more once the pay scale went up, um, which was a concern. You know, same thing with CM Punk, if he really wanted that, uh, that mania, uh, main event. If he stuck around another couple of years, he probably would have gotten it. Uh, of course, there's way more to it than just, oh, they left too early. Those are two very uh, you know, complicated stories that are ongoing, of course. And yeah, but but she had reached the top. She had held the top spot. And I don't just mean, oh, she won the title. She held it. It was hers to hold and hers to give away. And um, and she left because when you've accomplished everything you can do in your field, it's time to move on. Right. These days, I like it when Trish Stratus comes back and has a couple of matches because she had clearly hit the top of the field herself and held it for a few years. And like and she's still in fantastic shape. She could still work a match whenever she wants. And like you can tell when she comes back how happy she is that all the women are finally starting to get their due. And like they have Beth Phoenix now doing a commentary on NXT. It's been pointed out that like as much as Beth Phoenix has been retired for years and they put her in the Hall of Fame, she's younger than Shayna Baszler. <laughs> That's what was so fucking frustrating about Hulk Hogan all those years, that he just refused to give up the top spot. Yeah. And it must have been really frustrating for all the women when the fabulous Moolah oh, was, God. like, the only game in town the for 30 years. The only game in town, yeah. And, like, even, like, to, to zoom out a little more on that, John Cena is gracefully stepped aside to let other people try and take the top spot. He comes back and has a match now and again, but he hasn't, like 
held the top for years now, and he could. Just like yeah. Hogan. He he could come back tomorrow. He could call up Vince. He could be like, Vince, decided uh, you should put me on the sheet. Look, the old joints don't work so much anymore, so I'm going to be real limited. So give me the title at Mania. Good stuff. He's now yeah. officially, because they don't recognize some of them, tied f- with Ric Flair for most world title reigns. And if he wanted to, he could be like, hey, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> there was actually a match with Seth Rollins and John Cena where John Stewart interfered to cost John Cena the match because he didn't want him to defeat Ric Flair's record. S- Stewart's a big wrestling fan. Wow. Yeah. Uh, all right, final thoughts? Uh, AJ was great. If she ever comes yeah. back, I'll be happy. And if she doesn't, I'll be happy for her. She's from Union City, New Jersey, just like our friend Spoon. Fuck yeah. yeah. Shout, shout out to Spoon. Right across Union the Hudson City. right there. Yep. Um, yeah, this was all I... AJ Lee is a fantastic wrestler. I'm really, I'm really glad we delved into this. I wouldn't have thought to ask about her, so I'm glad yeah. you guys made the call that we're going to do an AJ Lee episode. Well, she wasn't uh, around awesome. for that yeah. long compared to to some of the real pillars of wrestling because she got out. But sure, her influence is uh, is still felt very much. You know, she she kind of started to break the walls down, saying we want actual women's wrestling. Read crazy is my superpower. It's a it's a it's a really good read. It's a really interesting look into the wrestling business. I, I, I may download the audio version on a service that should give us money to mention their name. Alrighty, this has been Contesting Wrestling. Follow us on Twitter at Contesting W. Follow me on Twitter at Evan Burke, etc. That's Evan Burke E T C. Um, follow me on Twitter at Dr. Diamondfire. It's at Dr. Diamondfire. Uh, at me, send me messages, book me on your shows as a commentator, or a ring announcer, or even a wrestler. And uh, yeah, continue listening to Contesting Wrestling. Follow me, Dr. Ben Abelson, on Twitter and Instagram at Scribe Ben. Oh, sorry, patreon.com slash Contesting Wrestling, where you can get premium episodes, regular episodes in advance, probably some other cool stuff eventually. Thank you. We love you.